Hello everybody, it's Friday, August the 18th. This is Brad Janikowski, I'm Christian Thwaites. And I'm Emily Taken-Burtz, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So Christian, you uh, wrote about this week in the blog um, that up until about a month ago, there was very low single stock correlation seen in the market. Um, and this month that has started to change. Could you tell us kind of what is the significance of this low correlation and now more of a correlation this month um, and what it means for investors' outlooks on the market? Yes, we've just noticed this in some of the market data. I'm not sure it's big enough to indicate a big sea change, but it's certainly a change in the way the market has behaved over the last few weeks. So. Uh, single stock correlation is just how much stocks move independently of each other. So if you go and buy Facebook because you like Facebook, because you like Facebook, because you like Facebook, and it has nothing to do with the fact that you want to be in the, in the equity market and enjoy some of that uh, increase, then that's a single kind of stock correlation. Um, it's not being driven by any of the market factors other than your desire to buy it. And uh, uh, so if you have a, a, a number of zero, it means that all the stocks are essentially behaving independently of other. Well, that number has gone up to about 0.2 in the last month, which is from a very, very low number to a low number. Uh, when markets really uh, move together, that number gets like 0 0.8, uh, as we did in, in, in 2008. Um, so all that's telling us is that the market is a little bit more behaving uh, as a as a mass a shoal of fish as opposed to independent fish it's kind of moving more like that that blob of fish which you see in finding nemo and so sort of all moving a little bit more together which tells me that there's a a little bit more of a concern about overall market risk it's not it's not particularly noteworthy other than it's come from such an exceedingly low number to another low number now is this low correlation that we've seen um, over the last few months is this a symptom of people just not really knowing what to buy and, and buying off of good narratives, a la Facebook, a la Amazon, things like that? I think that's what it was, but now it's moved a little bit to, towards uh, a little bit of a, of a risk concern and therefore people dialing back on the market uh, a little bit. And uh, as we'll probably discuss in a minute, I think some of this is a delayed reaction too. So uh, in the markets were so... Uh, buoyant. I mean, not frothy and overpriced, but sort of you know, very, you know, some of the stocks are really moving well. We talked about the fangs, of course, here before. That I think now people are saying, well, maybe we have to treat, view the mask, the market as one big risk asset, mm. as opposed to five hundred independent risk assets. Mm -hmm. And so some of that kind of you know group movement has has started to come into play. So I want to turn to a particular as asset class. Um, you know, there are always asset classes that go in and out of favor. Um, but in particular, what's up with small caps this year? We saw them kind of go gangbusters last year. Um, and, uh, you know, what is the reason for the considerable lag this year? And given this underperformance, why do you still consider them, uh, you know, potentially a core holding in a portfolio? Yes, good, good question. And you're absolutely right. Last year they had a, a great, a great year. They outperformed the S and P by 15%, so up over 20% in terms. But I, I think it's basically down. They're, they're flat this year, by the way, and and the S and P is up about eight or nine. So they have underperformed. So why, I think it comes down to three reasons. Um, uh, one is that small caps generally uh, have much more exposure in the U.S. than the S&P 500. So roughly 
the weighted average of overseas sales for S&P 500 companies is about 35%. Whereas for the the small cap stocks, uh, I think I think it's in the mid 15s or something like that. And actually, well over half of them are less than five, you know, one and zero. So they're much more geared towards the domestic market, which which that means they haven't benefited from. Uh, the weaker dollar, and they haven't benefited from the upticks in in trade and economic growth, particularly in Asia and other emerging markets, which we've covered in these conversations. So that's reason number one. The other reason number two is just the way that they're composed. Um, the small companies have a big weighting in financials. It's uh, it's about 25% versus the S&P for 15%. And as we've seen with the S&P, financials haven't done particularly well. Spreads aren't big enough on lending, and uh, these guys the smaller companies don't do typically things like trading and volume and, and the fixed income trading desk, which have helped some of the larger larger financials. And the other one is the reverse of that, is that they're low in technology. I mean, it's big tech which has been doing well. These are big, large, mega cap stocks. Uh, and, and small tech is a, is a more pinpointed area, specialist area, and, and investors just haven't bid up those stocks nearly as much. And so um, with the tech sector, I think in the small cap universe, it's about 15%, whereas for large companies, it's about 23%. So those three reasons, the, the kind of dollar international, the underweight in tech, the overweight in financials meant that we're a little bit low. But um, I, I still like them. I think you have to kind of wait around with small caps, wait for them to move. Um, and it's very difficult to time. And uh, and generally what's been happening is that the pricing and the valuations have begun to move in our favor. Great. Will, uh, do you think that the, the performance of small caps will turn around if we get tax reform? I do, yes. That's an excellent point. I had I had admitted to, to make that point. If there's tax reform, of course, after last week's sort of bloodbath in the White House, it might we might be looking at a, a, a delay of, of that. Tax reform helps these guys enormously uh, because they've got big domestic tax bills. They can't, they can't put over their, their earnings into overseas uh, subsidiaries, low tax, dom- tax domiciles and so on. They're basically here and they've got to report everything here. So definitely that would help if there was a tax, uh, tax break. That would help small companies more than large companies. And they stand to, to benefit even more than large corporations from that tax reform, For sure. correct? For sure. Great. So I want to uh, turn to international markets. Can you just give us an update um, on Europe? There were published minutes from the July ECB meeting. Um, you know, give us an update on that. Well, I think it's all kind of steady in the ECB. Um, the, the concerns in the ECB minutes are so different from the Fed minutes, which also came out last year. The Fed minutes, basically. Is inflation too low? Is inflation about to bust to the upside? And uh, and that's really not happening. Whereas, whereas in the EU, EU, they've said, look, harmonize inflation, which just means taking all the inflation from countries as disparate as Germany and Spain and France and Italy and all the smaller countries that use the euro, is still very, very low. And there's an enormous slack in the labor market. It's about 10% unemployment, maybe nine, compared to the US of around four. So they're very cognizant that those still exist and they you know they're not going to announce any um, um, change in their quantitative easings they're buying securities like crazy bonds Um, and uh, they're not going to let up on that at all what they are concerned about is the 
is the, is the recent strength of the euro, which I think we've talked about here as well, I think is an indication that people do feel more bullish about the, the euro and at the same time a little less confident about the US. So it's bid up the euro, which is the you know, only you know, really game in town as a, as a foreign reserve currency uh, against the dollar. So I think their noises were pretty good. Um, and it basically means that things are moving in the right direction. We've got good GDP numbers uh, for the EU up about 2%. And uh, um, so they, they, they will sort of continue to kind of move in that direction. So I, th I think it's just generally pretty good uh, n news and, and updates coming from the EU. Lastly, I want to talk about um, politics. And I know that we've said many, many times on this podcast uh, that in our view, um, politics don't have a huge lasting, um, uh, lasting effect on the market. But I know that we should be careful about causation here, but how can you explain this week's downturn in the market given all of um, uh, the political situations, all of the fallout after last weekend's protests? Uh, you know, the market seemed to do fine through North Korea, um, fine in terms of on the brink of, of nuclear war, <laughs> but God forbid, uh, you know, Gary Cohn decides to leave the White House. Uh, what do you see is happening this week around, um, a re is it a reaction? Um, but what do you see was happening this week? I'm I think it's a little bit of that kind of wily coyote effect. We all remember that cartoon. He's chasing the roadrunner. He goes over a cliff and he stays suspended in midair before he falls. And I don't think we're going to fall precipitously, but the I think the, the market is looking at this continuous saga coming out of the White House. I mean, we don't really have to go into it here. You know, the, the tweets and the firings and the impromptid speeches and the and the off-the-cuff remarks and all these kind of stuff, you know, has clearly upset the the political equilibrium. And I think what happened last week was it not so much it hit a wall and it was too much. It was more that it was more that it, it is pretty clear at this point that unless the president can pull out something pretty remarkable, he's losing Republicans right across the board in the legislature and and both state and uh, and the federal. And I think that what the concern was with Cohn last week is that he's the guy, the, you know, the uh, key White House uh, economics um, advisor who is sitting down with companies to talk about tax issues and growth issues and regulation issues. And so if he was, if he's gone, there's nobody there at the moment, you know, in the wings or standing by or anything else to take his place. So that was one, uh, in, you know, idiosyncratic concern, that individual. But I also think it's just, uh, you know, the, the, the comments around that Harry, the happening in, um, in, uh, in, in Virginia, um, have I got that right? Yes, in Virginia, mm -hmm. was, was uh, I mean, just beyond the pale for a lot of people, and I think mm -hmm. it's just it it just going to mean that this is this is a White House that's not going to be able to get anything done, and uh, and as we've discussed here, the debt ceiling, uh, we put a video on it uh, earlier this week, it is coming up, and that's going to be a problem if 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 this group can't uh, somehow work together. So I think I think that's what's happening. It's just like a realization that this is getting pretty bad. And I know that we, we like to say politics don't affect the markets, but at what point 
do they? I mean, yeah. at what point do do business owners say, oh, I don't know about this tax reform. I don't think it'll ever happen. I'm not going to be hiring any more workers or let's wait and see. I mean, what when does it affect um, or start to affect the markets and the economy? When it's bad for them and when something bad happens and uh and it, and it's going to hurt the uh, the balance sheets and demand and everything else. But at the moment, it's the absence of everything. It's n- so mm-hmm. I think that I, I look. We've talked about this the the Trump trade sort of disappearing months ago, and uh, and I and I think a lot of businesses, certainly the market has 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 priced out the likelihood that there'll be you know the tax, the infrastructure, the pro regulation, all this kind of stuff. So I think that that's that's what's going on now. The um, uh, so it's it's kind of the, the the politics doesn't really affect markets until it does, and when it does, it means it's usually going to hit their pocketbook. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I think is what we're concerned for right now. And uh, you know, summer thin trading. I know we've said this time and time again. You just don't know when the markets are going to take a bit of a correction, but it's a very small correction compared to historical standards, especially given the magnitude of what we've been seeing going on in the White House. Well, thank you for your insight, Christian. Thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, everybody. And here is the disclosure. Please note this discussion of our investments, investment trade, including our research investment purpose, represents our investments, investment trade. The day this commentary is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure the type of investments discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. For general information purposes only, references to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell. That security, the securities we mentioned in this commentary are only several of the successful as well as unsuccessful investments by us. Do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended, although we deem reliable the sources, the statistical, and other information referred to in this commentary. We cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or financial data, past performance, no indication of future results. <laughs>